to the Voice of HK podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Bajik-Smith, and in over a decade, I have supported hundreds of older adults to improve their well-being in late life. This podcast offers an authentic insight into aged care, practical tips, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person needs to feel heard, loved, and understood. And it is my mission to halve the depression rates in Australian aged care facilities by 2022. Today, we've got a very special guest, um, a topic that I wanted to visit for a long time, and I'm so honoured that Tony Salter from the Veggie Lady has agreed to do this interview with me. Tony is a qualified horticulturist, and she's been teaching community education classes as well as in community colleges. Tony is also a recreational activities officer, so she understands the integration between activities and how to incorporate gardening and horticulture into day-to-day activities for the elderly. Thank you, Tony, for joining. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to, to chat. And can you just tell me a little bit about how you, a little bit about yourself and how you came to do what you do? Because you've got such a wide range of skills and experiences. Sure. Um, I often tell people that I turned a preoccupation into an occupation because I just had a, a love for gardening. I would um, get out into the garden and try and grow a few things myself. And uh, I had uh, many different experiences, some good, some bad, some uh, in between. But I was having a lot of fun trying to grow some, some plants of my own. So this is going back about 20 years ago, it was over 20 years ago, and, uh, and I had uh, a young baby and I found that for my own personal well-being, that getting out into the garden was a way that just helped me enormously. So when I was um, bringing up my children, I didn't have family around and there were often those stressful, uh, depressing times where I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't able to stop a baby crying or I was just exhausted or I was just uh, lacking some, uh, some adult contact and conversation. So I took to the garden in a big, in a big way because I, I just found that it was my, my respite. So I intrinsically knew that there was something wonderful about gardening. And I used to call it my therapy back then, but little did I know that there was actually research around that that supported the idea of horticulture as therapy. Um, so while I was growing my own veggies, my own flowers and enjoying my own garden, uh, I thought that it would probably be a good idea to learn how to do it properly. <laughs> so I, yeah, I undertook a, a horticulture certificate um, while the kids were, were only quite young and, uh, and it became an outlet for me. And I just loved the learning. I loved being able to put into practice what I was learning at home. And I found that the more I learned, the better my, my plants were going. <laughs> so uh, so I, I just embraced the whole 
gardening and horticulture with a vengeance. So, um, yeah, I, I turned the, the preoccupation into an occupation when somebody said to me about coming and doing some, um, some classes for them, teaching people to learn how to garden themselves. And so I was able to transfer my knowledge to others around. So that's where I started to um, really get into my veggie lady business because I had a, a keen... Uh, a keen interest in growing my own veggies and supporting the family with fresh organic produce. Um, and I found that other people were also interested in doing the same. So I set up a few little classes and, uh, and soon I found that there were lots of people that were wanting to do the same thing. So it sort of snowballed from there. It was a, um, an occupation that sort of grew organically, uh, pardon pun there, um, as, uh, as I was more able to, to spend more time as the kids got older and as people or the word got around that I was running some classes. So, uh, so it grew from there and, uh, and yeah, I enjoyed doing the, uh, the classes like that. So, yeah, yeah, that's how it all began. That's how it all begins. And now you're very busy doing a wide range of, of services. But can you tell me a little bit about what is Nature Assisted Therapy and who is it for? So Nature Assisted Therapy is really just about using plants as a tool. So it's not necessarily about necessarily um, building gardens. It is using plants. So that can be many, can take many different forms. It could be as simple as, as a pot plant uh, brought into a, to a session with, with residents sitting around a table and just looking and chatting and feeling and smelling and tasting the plant that might be in front of them. So it can be used in, in that sort of sitting, setting, uh, particularly in aged care where there's uh, mobility issues and we bring the garden into to the residents. Other situations can be used outside, whether it might be in a community garden or um, in somebody's own backyard. So it's used in a variety of different ways, depending on who the gardener is and what they want out of it. Some people are in a rehabilitation setting and, uh, and they're looking to return from hospital to home and they love their garden and they want to um, they want to get back into the garden. So the nature-assisted therapy is then giving them something that they're, that they're identifying with and they're identifying it with it in a fun and relaxed way so that it doesn't really feel like therapy as such. So it can be used for physical rehabilitation. It can be used for mental rehabilitation. Uh, it can be used for stress relief. So you can get out into community gardens where you might have uh, a team of mental health clients who are getting out and wanting to, uh, to, to find some new interests. So you might get, uh, get some gardeners there digging up a, a veggie patch and starting a new veggie patch. So the whole physical side of things can be uh, very therapeutic for somebody who may be um, experiencing depression or experiencing anxiety. To be able to have that, that physical outlet can just help reduce stress and, uh, and yeah, build some positive 
feelings in those those people for mental health reasons. You are you're so right. And um, as a psychologist working in aged care, I've noticed that a lot. And I had a gentleman a few months ago say to me, um, he said something that was really powerful. It was a very simple sentence, but um, he just said, it has helped me a lot having something to do. And for him, um, he realized that the garden beds in the facility where he was living were not used. And so he went ahead and started growing some of his own vegetables. Um, he, he asked for, for permission if he could do that and it was given to him and he's the only one actually doing it. So why would that be the case in residential care? It's, it's a common thing. And I heard uh, a colleague of mine say something very similar and it was about um, a 90 odd year old man who was in, in a residential facility and he was, he was bored, he was isolated. He was isolating himself because there was only so much craft that a man could participate in. <laughs> uh, and quite often the, the recreation activity officers centre activities around indoor activities and craft, which are very female-dominated. And so for a lot of our gentlemen in residential facilities, they, they, they don't want to participate in that sort of thing. So this colleague of mine went into uh, the facility and he was actually, he's a horticulturist, and uh, he went in to, to help with the grounds. And he soon found that this gentleman was following him around. And so he got chatting with this gentleman and, uh, and talked about some of the things that he was doing and started sharing then what his experience as a gardener was previously. So uh, one thing led to another and they started up a little veggie patch and he was then actively involved with the, the colleague of mine um, in just maintaining the general grounds which was a wonderful thing for him because he he suddenly came out of his shell and uh, and he found meaning and he found purpose to to get out of bed every day because he enjoyed going outside and doing something um, while it was a modified physical activity so that it was relevant for him and not not onerous for him um, he had somebody there to, to help him and uh, reignite the, the passion that he had for gardening as he had done so in his own home. That's wonderful. And I think that that really um, illustrates the, the ability to adapt to the environment and being able to you know, continue gardening despite the changes in health. And so what would you say are the challenges for individuals, you know, engaging in gardening as, as they age and how can we overcome them? Yeah, look, there's a number of, uh, of things that we, we do need to, um, to consider. And uh, one, of the f one of the first things to consider in, um, in our gardening is our own, our own view towards it. Some, sometimes I find that some of the residents will, will say, yes, I used to garden, but I'm no longer a gardener. And, uh, and I challenge them about that because you're always a gardener, whether you're getting your hands dirty or not. You've still got the, the knowledge and you can pass on that, that knowledge. But there are uh, a number of things that you can do to modify what uh, the way that we do it so that you can still engage in some gardening activities. 
getting help is is something that's that's really hard for some people. I know that my mum, when my father died, he was the one who used to always do all of the the gardening. Mum was the supervisor. <laughs> she would tell him what uh, what, what he'd missed and uh, and what he could do and what, how he should be doing it. Uh, but uh, when when Dad died, Mum was left with uh, with a rather large garden to to maintain. And both my my mum and Dad were fiercely independent, as many of the residents. Um, in our aged care facilities are. And to actually ask for help is is something that's quite tricky. And uh, it's a matter of acknowledging that changes have come to our bodies, changes have come to the way that we do things and that we can't do things quite the way that we used to. So for those who are still living in, in their homes and wanting to remain in their homes, they can still get out into the garden if they are able to, to ask for, for help in modifying the gardens and, uh, and also doing recognising what they can do and what they would be better to get somebody else to do. That might mean getting help with pruning, getting help with mowing and, uh, and modifying the garden size. So, you know, getting help through, through aged care packages can be a, a way of, of helping you to still enjoy the garden and, uh, and having others to, to really handle the, the big bulky stuff. Some of the other things that can be done is modifying the garden beds, building raised beds so that you can still get out and enjoying the garden so that you're not having to bend over the garden and fall into the garden. So it's, it's about awareness of what your limitations are, but still identifying what your strengths are and, uh, and knowing that you can still get out there and do, do certain things. What's particularly important is looking at your physical abilities in terms of your vision and your skin. Um, our skin as we age gets thinner. So it's really important that as we go outside that we are protecting our, our arms and our legs because the skin will, will tear quite easily. Um, so those are the sorts of things that we, we want to do with protecting our skin, always wearing some uh, long sleeves. And in the case of pruning and heavy, heavy gardening, then we want to be able to get a little bit of help so that we're not putting ourselves in, in danger. Vision is another thing that uh, as our uh, eyesight may deteriorate, our peripheral vision becomes affected and um, we are more likely to run into things or to just to, to stumble on things. So having some very clearly defined pathways in the garden can just help with, with some of those, um, those sight issues. If we've got some very defined garden beds and uh, clearly defined paths makes it easier for us to get around the garden. They're wonderful tips. Thank you so much for sharing those. What about, you know, in, in residential settings, what do you think would be a way to facilitate ongoing nature-assisted therapy where, you know, they do, I think my understanding is that a lot of them have contractors who come and maintain external gardens, but not the raised garden beds. They just stay there untouched often. 
What do you think are some of the tips, you know, for facilitating ongoing nature-assisted therapy in residential settings? Look, I think you need a, a champion. Uh, every facility has a diversional therapist uh, allocated to it. And many will have leisure and lifestyle officers who are able to, to run some programs. And it probably comes down to a little bit of training for, for, um, for the staff. Some of our recreation activity officers are reluctant to, to bring the residents out into the garden because they don't quite know what to do in the garden themselves. So this is where I come into uh, some of the aged care facilities and run some professional development, teaching the, the staff some very simple activities around gardening. It doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, even just weeding and watering are really basic, basic activities that people really enjoy. And it's also that thing of reminiscence. So doing familiar activities where people have been gardeners in their own homes, when they come to a, an aged care facility, the daily task of watering and weeding and those sorts of things are, um, are taken away. So even just getting out and helping a little bit with some general weeding, some general watering, those sorts of things are really beneficial. And it just helps in that reminiscence therapy if, uh, if people are, are inter interested in that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think also it helps them to relax and reduce stress because they're, they're outside, they're not, you know, indoors and just having a bit of exposure to vitamin D is actually good for them. And I think you, you highlighted that as well because a lot of facilities seem to be very focused on indoor activities or if they go out, again, they're in the, you know, they're on the bus as opposed to actually being in their garden. So Yeah, that's right. And so you've got to make your, your garden area inviting. And there are a number of, of reasons why people don't want to come out. It first of all starts with the staff. If the staff don't want to be outside, then they're certainly going to transfer that attitude to, to the residents. Um, if you've got a, a, a staff member who's very keen to get out into the garden, uh, but the residents are reluctant, you've got to have a little bit of a, a think about why are they reluctant to get out into the garden. And for people living with, with dementia, there are a number of, of factors that might just be a little bit of a barrier for them in coming outside. It comes down to wayfinding. They may find that going out into a garden can cause them distress because they, they may find that they get lost. So it's important for us to have uh, that never-ending loop uh, or wayfinding points for for people in the garden. So there might be triggers, sensory triggers for people to be reminded where they are, that there might be a lavender plant or um, something that's that's quite smelly so that you've got that sensory experience of smelling some, some flowers, perhaps some jasmine or some lavender that they associate with the door so that they can then uh, look for the lavender and find, uh, find where, where to go. The other thing is um, getting outside. It's really important to have comfortable seating outside. There needs to be a bench or some, some chairs around so that once the residents get outside that they do feel comfortable. And that's not only seating, it's also protection from the sun. And uh, in cooler months, 
protection from being too cold. So if there's a nice little sunny alcove somewhere, then um, that can be a real draw card to, to bring the residents out. But if the garden beds are not really, uh, if there's no appeal, if there's nothing growing in the, in the garden beds, then sometimes that can be off-putting to, to some of the residents. So when we can get a few things growing and, uh, and the residents can participate in, in growing those things, then it draws them out. It's the thing of seeing how the, the flowers are going, the surprise to see some a plant that they might have been nurturing over a couple of months suddenly come into full bloom and, uh, and to bring joy to see that. It's, it's a wonderful thing to experience with, with our, our aged care residents. They're such good tips. Thank you. And can you just tell me a little bit more about the training that can be provided to aged care homes and what would that look like? Would that be um, over a course of time or would it be you know, how would that ensure that, that they sustain the knowledge and the skills as opposed to just being in a workshop that they all forget about? Uh, this is for the... For the staff, yeah. Um, look, it's, it comes down to, uh, to what the staff needs. Sometimes staff have a little bit of gardening knowledge, but they're just not quite sure how to involve the residents. So I can then just come in and do some one-on-one uh, -on -one training with them, or we can do a half-day workshop with, uh, with other staff just to give them a few tips on how they can utilise the space that they've got. Uh, sometimes it involves consultancy about the space and how to modify the space so that it becomes a workable area or a much more appealing area. So there can be um, just some tips and some recommendations around how they can modify the space. Sometimes it might be an ongoing thing. Um, sometimes I will go into a, into a facility and perhaps run a program for a number of weeks and the staff can help me in delivering the, uh, the gardening program. And then from that, I'm sort of teaching them as they go along so that they can then, those skills are transferred to the staff and then once that program is over for me, then the staff can take over from there. So they get a bit of an idea of how I'm doing things. They can watch and see and copy what I'm, I'm doing with the, the residents. Oh, that's really good. So that would involve staff and the residents. So the, the, the program, you know, you could show them how to incorporate that, you know, in a practical sense rather than, you know, theoretical way of, of how they could do it. That's right. Some some people want it want just a um, a day full of theory, and they'll go away with the notes, and they can make that their own quite easily. Other people like to have the the hands on, and they learn through through experiencing it and practicing it. So I modify the the staff development according to what the staff needs. Mm. And um, Tony, have you got any any suggestions for families? Uh, who have loved ones in, in residential care, if there's anything that they could do to assist with including gardening or to, you know, include plants in, in their visits or how they could, you know, enhance that relationship with nature for their loved ones who are... Oh, definitely. So it comes down to the association that a resident has with the plants. It's what triggers are involved for them. So 
the family is the one that are the ones who know best and uh, and they know the history of a person they know that the the person may have been an avid veggie gardener when they're in their own home so family can then not only interact with uh, with each other and the older residents, but they can also interact with staff and let staff know what things were of interest to to the people uh, that they're coming to see. So, if somebody grew roses at home and had a love for roses, then it would be important that a garden at a facility would have the appropriate sorts of plants that they could identify with, that there's an association there and a positive association with the type of plants. So you can also have negative associations with that as well. So it's really important to, to have that family understanding of what may have gone on in the past, what, what's been a trigger for, uh, for good times and a trigger for bad times for, for the, the resident. Um, when somebody comes to, to visit a, a mother or father or, or an ageing friend in a, a residential facility, um, they can bring some plants in with them. And, uh, and even just a, a small pot plant is, is great. Often we, we see somebody come in with a bunch of flowers, cut flowers. It's so much nicer to be able to bring something in that the, the resident might be able to um, to do something with later. So it's an ongoing thing. So if you bring in perhaps uh, some potted annuals um, or even some potted veggies or herbs, then the person can, uh, can tend to those and look after those in between visits. So even just a small pot plant on the, um, on the, uh, the veranda or a, a courtyard that they may have access to can be a great way for the person to interact with, with the plants and help get them outside, which gives them a totally different perspective on, um, on the day. Absolutely. I actually had a client a few years ago and um, her son would come quite rarely to visit her and when he did, he would bring cut flowers and I know she used to always get very sad because the flowers were dying and she would get very upset because, you know, it had been a while since he visited. So... Perhaps, yeah, having fresh... Um... Potted plants are, are a great way for an older person to be able to, uh, to find meaning and purpose again, uh, where they're feeling that, uh, that maybe they've left their garden and they are no longer able to, to do what they used to do. Being able to transfer that knowledge into something smaller scale, whether it's just a small pot of, of plants or, or a small raised garden bed, then it's, it's giving purpose to, to the, the resident to be able to nurture a plant and see a plant grow from a seedling through to, to flowering or even to harvest some vegetables is... Um, just a way of, of reassuring the person that they still have something valuable to give, even though it might be scaled down in size. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's my takeaway message from this interview with you. It, it is about not stopping it completely, but swapping it, you know, scaling down and being able to do it on a smaller scale on a regular basis, which really seems to be so beneficial for the elderly. Oh, that's right. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a story I, I, I once heard of a, an older gentleman who was living with dementia 
um, and uh, and he was becoming more physically unable to to do the things that he used to do. And he was an Italian man who grew tomatoes back in his back in his house, in his home, and. He, of course, was very passionate about his tomatoes. So his daughter would come in to visit and she would bring uh, a tomato plant in with her. And so what happened was they, they, they established a, a plant there and the father taught the daughter how to grow the plant from seed right through to, to harvesting. And it was a wonderful way of, of helping him with tapping into some of those longer-term memories that he had, but it was also a wonderful way of sharing the experience together and, uh, and transferring that knowledge on from one generation to the next. That's wonderful. That's really good. Thank you, Tony. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to, to reach you? Uh, I do have a website. It's uh, theveggielady.com and that's veggie with V-E-G-G-I-E and they can look up theveggielady.com and all of my information and contact details are on the website. Excellent. And I will also share them with this, um, with this interview as well so that people can reach out to you and connect with you with social media because I think it's just so important to incorporate um, nature into our indoor environments and, and for elderly people whose health is declining doesn't mean that, you know. That's right. Even bringing uh, indoor plants, bringing the plants inside can alter the perspective on somebody who perhaps is a little bit more reluctant to get outside into the garden or is unable to to do that. To have a few indoor plants and setting up a um, an area within the facility which becomes like a little glass house, protected glass house indoors, can really have a lot of benefits for for the residents. Yes, absolutely. And and it is about that sustainability. And so even if a staff member is not there, or if they change jobs, that the activity continues and that it's incorporated as part of their weekly schedule on an ongoing basis, regardless of, you know, the weather outdoors and all the elements. I think it's, yeah. Definitely. You have really raised that awareness with me. Thank you so much, Tony, for your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Be sure to become a subscriber on your podcast app of choice so that you don't miss out when I release the next episode. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. So please leave a rating and review too. Over on my website, wisecare.com.au, with one click, you can grab a copy of my three top downloaded resources on mental health and well-being in older age. Let's face it, this can be a complex topic and I want to give you practical strategies to deal with it. Go to wisecare.com.au for your free copy of these three amazing resources. See you in the next episode.